What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Since we started this journey, we've been watching Enterprise. That's right. The show that started it off, all of it, really, it's the prequel series to Star Trek Everything. That's right. It's Jonathan Archer on the very first starship mission and we've been going month by month of course we cover season by season each month we split it up into two episodes where we cover half a season in each one uh and we're on season four which is the final season of enterprise and then we will be moving on to discovery this is warp factor fiction a chronological analysis of star trek on screen i'm your host mick manhattan joined as always by my partner in crime tommy what's going on tom I mean, nothing much. Just finished watching some Star Trek. Yeah, and we're and we're still going because we're still watching Discovery. We're almost done with Discovery season one, which will be out next month, and then we're going to be on to Discovery season two, which will be out in August. You excited for it? I'm really excited for it. Yeah, me too, man. Really. Um, but we did. We watched all of season four uh, of Enterprise. We officially you have finished your first ever full series of star trek now and and it's enterprise and i am so excited for you to really get into it so let's talk about it we're out of the zindi war which we talked about last last a month on uh, on the show let's get into this final season which kind of runs a little bit really revisits a lot of things and we're going to go episode by episode kind of talking about what we thought of everything uh as you guys know if you've been watching this uh before tommy's got his notes i've got my notes and we're gonna get into it so you ready to start buddy yeah i'm ready is there anything about season four that uh the first half of season four that you really want to discuss or talk about before we get into it no any, I any mean, lasting impressions or anything not really i mean like it was really only that everybody can get like ptsd and such even like the most heroic people because like archer got ptsd from zindi war yeah that's a great point that's a really great point especially considering the zindi war was such an allegory to 9-11 and this was sort of them having to deal with you know the effects of like going to war and having to deal with all that so yeah that's a great you know we didn't discuss that at all so like you having that on your own, that that realization on your own, I, I applaud you on that. Now, how does season four for you? How did it compare to season three? I did like it. There, um, I do think that I still think that uh, similitude from season three is the best episode, but it definitely had less bad episodes. I think. Okay, I like that. Well, let's get into it, shall we? So, as we left season four uh season three uh the zindi war was over the expanse was uh completely not destroyed but it was like uh disbanded like a, the, the the expanse like disappeared um things were now open the spheres were uh being um uh taken down they were showing how to take them down so the zindi could uh take them apart and enterprise was trying to get on its way home and they found themselves stuck in an alternate past of the 1940s during World War II, where they were being attacked, their shuttle was being attacked by fighter pilots with lasers. And the Nazis had taken over, um, you know, the White House and, and most of the eastern seaboard of the U.S. And this picks up right where that left off. Archer was taken um, in custody by the Gestapo Nazis. 
and there were some aliens among their ranks. So first episode back is Stormfront, followed quickly by Stormfront Part 2. Stormfront is, following the destruction of the Zindi weapon, the Enterprise crew discovers that they have been sent back in time to 1944. However, history has been altered, leaving Nazi Germany in control of a large portion of the eastern United States. Jonathan Archer is captured and must escape and, uh, excuse me, must escape and use the help of the people around in Brooklyn, 1944, to help him figure out what's going on and get back to his crew. While his crew has to figure out how to get back home. What did you think about this first episode coming in? Like, it's it's pretty, it's a time travel episode, which is not new to Star Trek whatsoever, but more new to you when it comes to Star Trek. You know, how did you feel about it coming in, and, and especially for a World War II, to, um, you know, time frame? I didn't have super high hopes for it because the first episode of last season was not good. I don't think they did it right, but this one exceeded my expectations. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was not the best episode of this um, half, but it was still a good episode. I Yeah, I think so, too. I think it was a good episode. And Stormfront Part 2, you know, talking about it some more. So Archer is now, he, he's joined up with another woman who uh, helps in the rebel fight uh, on the city streets of New York with uh, some mobsters who are trying to go against the Nazis and take them down. Um, Silic attacks Trip. Silic is a Sulaban who attracts Trip. Um, Vosk wants to make a deal with Archer. Vosk is one of the um, alien Nazis who uh, wants to ha- make a deal with Archer so that way they can try and get back home as well. Uh, supplies of the ship for the completion of his time machine to return a tri- uh, for a trip to the 22nd century. That's where they're from. So, like, there's a whole bunch of alien mishaps going on here the nazis don't totally trust the aliens the aliens definitely don't trust the nazis uh archer and the rest of the crew are kind of stuck in the middle of it all just trying to stop them and correct the timeline and i thought they did a good follow-up to it but it did seem a little rushed how did you feel about stormfront part one and then going into stormfront part two and then i'm going to ask you who your in each episode was your uh your shining character I feel like this would have been better if they had done a three-parter. I think because like you can get more in-depth, get a little bit more background. Uh, you don't have to rush things as much. I liked it. Um, it was not as bad as the first episode of season three. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty rough episode. But, uh, you know, to your point, like when we talked about that in the last season, like it, it was one of those ones where if it had just been placed maybe somewhere else in the season, it might have been better. Uh, just it, it seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. This didn't really seem they set this up pretty good with the last season. Like, you know, even saying that once you try to leave the expanse, it can mess with you, it can warp time, you can put you in different places. So it's it's kind of strange. But I did like how in Stormfront and Stormfront Part Two, they you know, it kind of it was that away mission feel. They weren't you needed some sort of you couldn't just have them go home. You need to have that separation between the Zindi, the Expanse, and them. And, you know, kind of bringing that back and and changing it up a little bit, I thought really worked. And it kind of gave us that, again, that time travel episode, which, again, is not 
something that's missing in the Star Trek world. What did you think about this, the time travel element to this? I like the time travel element. I feel like it was uh, done well. Um, I like it better than the how they use it on Carpenter Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last season, Carpenter Street was a good episode. Uh, I think it's a better episode overall, but I like how they use time travel in this one better. Okay. I like that too. So so you liked how it was all tied up and, and this story was just done and um, brought back. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Who is your um, shining character in Stormfront Part 1 and Stormfront Part 2? Both of them were Archer. Yeah, Archer seems to be the one that really kind of really stuck out to me as well. And that's going to be sort of a theme I think in this season, um, a lot of Archer. That's not really for me. Well, no, that, and I, I can't wait to hear more about that because I think it's going to be more mostly Archer trip to Paul um, because I do feel like in this season, you got a lot of – the season four seemed to shy away from a lot of the crew aspect and focus more solely on certain members of the crew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love that aspect of it. So there's things that are taken away. And it seemed like a lot of fan service to it. So now we get back to the aptly named episode, Home. The crew is finally home. The crew takes some time off. Archer meets an old friend, Captain Erica Hernandez, who is now heading out the NXO2 Columbia, the second starship in the command at Starfleet. And she will be running that ship. But they're out on a nature hike, rock climbing expedition, just taking a nice vacation, which Archer desperately needs, just like the rest of the crew. Paul takes trip to Vulcan uh, with a surprise waiting to go stay with her mother. Uh, and uh, Paul is a future husband waiting for her. So Phlox finds out Earth has become xenophobic after the Zindi Wars and the attack. So, you know what xenophobic, right? It means, right, my friend? Yes, uh, like fear of aliens. Well, it's a, it's a fear of anything on the outside. So you can be xenophobic as a Virginian or an American. So anything, so like if uh, you, could, you could hate people who are from Maryland saying, I'm from Virginia, I don't trust anybody from Maryland. Or, you know, something like that, you know, from a different state. You can be xenophobic in... Um, people, you know, it's more racism when it comes to race or it's, more, you know, things like that, but it's more people from outside of where you're from, mm-hmm. you know, so it's more geographical than anything. But in this instance, because aliens do live amongst and the attack came from an alien race, the xenophobia is about other alien races. So the humans mm-hmm. are xenophobic against alien races. So this was a big episode. This showed a lot about we. This is the most I think we spent on Earth in a long time. We get a lot of different things happening here. Um, what was what was this episode like for you? What, what was what were some highlights for you about it? I mean, it was really crowded. There were three different storylines. There was the Archer and uh, Captain Hernandez. There was the trip into Paul one, and then there was the Flocks Reed and Hoshi one. Mm-hmm. And like, but out of, I mean, those were a lot going on in them. Like you said, what, what did you think about them? What, what, how did they stand out? Archer and Hernandez, that one didn't really feel like Star Trek. Cause like, it wasn't anything really to do with 
like that. Um, I really like the way they did the trip into Paul one, though. I think that one was done pretty well. Well, elaborate a little bit more. What did you like about it? Um, it gives a lot of character development, and that and this one actually is really important for the entire season. So this episode's like really sets a ton of stuff up. What is it set up? Uh, well, there's one there's one that it sets up with the flocks one that's in the second half, and then um, like with the trip into Paul, that's kind of like throughout the entire season. It's more their love interest and and their yeah. their kind of how their relationship is coming together throughout the season and, and their back and forth, yeah. And, and then uh, of with, course, I'm sorry, what was then, saying? And then with Archer and Hernandez, it's the NXO2, which plays a role in season four. We do get a lot of introductions in this one, especially now that we're going home. And the thing I liked about that is it's it's the it's the fact that Trip doesn't feel a place to go home to. So that's why he ends up going back with T'Pol. And his his home is to Paul now. It's that love that he has for her that he finally comes to light and realizing by the end of it. And that relationship gets strengthened even for him. Once even once he realizes that she's betrothed to be married mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to be married, he knows she loves him. He knows she he loves her. The mother even knows, to Paul's mother knows she <laughs> he loves her. So it's, yeah, it seems like it's a, but it's done in such a beautiful way. It's not like soap opera-ish or or very dramatic. It's done in such a way where it's like, it's very respectful. You kind of care about them. You're like, I I want, I'm rooting for these two because they do care about each other so much. And you can see that. And then when you have that other side of it, of, of Archer dealing with all of the atrocities he's had to, he's had to see. He's witnessed all of the things he's had to do to win the war, all that PTSD, like you said, that's coming to fruition. And like now he has to, now it's settled. He has to deal with this. And he's talking to his peer who has mm-hmm. no understanding because she's never been out there and no one has any understanding on, the, on a human plane of what this is like. You know, he feels so alone in this moment. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how to deal with it. I loved that part of it. And then you get to Fox, who is this character who we have been cheering for for three seasons. And you see the and and we as Star Trek fans who have been watching for years and years and years, and like we realize, like you know, aliens and humans—they live together. That's just what it is. That's how it is. Yeah, you have some aliens you hate, but it's not really out of hatred of who they are as much as it is like what they do, what they do, like that, you know, some things like that. Like um, the most we've ever gotten from that is like Archer with the Vulcans and him not being able to deal with like how cold they are, you know, and to even see that come around in such big ways. But this is a big deal for, for flocks to be treated the way it was. Even somebody who's been, who's fighting the war you know and have earth treat him in such a way and he's still the one voicing the reason this was a great episode this might be one of my favorite episodes this season it was i feel like it was a little bit too crowded i get that but but the i feel like it needed to be it needed to be noisy because there was so much happening and it was their first time home in such a long time right because it's been like year maybe even two yeah so i mean yeah probably more um 
because if you think about it, like, yeah, they may have like popped off at home, but not really like extended stay at home. You know, like since they left, like this is supposed to right. be like a long mission. So, yeah. What did you think about this episode overall? Um, and who's your highlight character? And what did you, what was a moral maybe you took away from it? Um, my highlight character here was Trip. Okay. I feel like he got the most development. Minus um, Flox. Really? The fact that Flox would not waver. Flox <laughs> stuck to who he was through all of it. But I want to hear what you have to say about uh, Trip because I really like that. Because, um, like, with T'Pol, she uh, did get a, uh, like, a new husband, but it's almost like the, like a forced marriage. It's mm-hmm. similar to Romeo and Romeo and Juliet, but not really. They're, okay, so I think I <laughs> I don't know how much about Romeo and Juliet. You know, and I'm not saying that facetiously. I promise. Um, but I'm not sure if you've read it or not. But so Romeo and Juliet, yes, this is more of an arranged marriage, which is something that does still exist in some cultures in this, in, even today. Uh, it doesn't exist in um, our culture. But it does exist in some cultures, and uh, you know, so in much like how they handled it on the show, where you may not understand it, it's like, but it's not meant for you to understand, you know, because it's not your culture. But you do have to be tolerant of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I and I really like how Trip handled that in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, he respected her enough. He respected her and her love for her culture to say. You know, I'm going to respect what you're doing, your decision that you're making. I'm not going to fight you on this, and because I love you. Uh, so I appreciated that they did that, and 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 how that kind of played out in that aspect. And I love that you picked up on that. So at now, Romeo and Juliet is a little different. Like, yeah, uh, Juliet, they were trying to set up a marriage for her. She fell in love with Romeo, who was a part of a family that her family hated. And so it was like, it was a love that was never supposed to be. Everyone was against it. Both families were against it, but they were in love with each other. They were star-crossed lovers. So, um, you know, that was where the drama sort of set in on that. So it was a little bit different, but I do see what you're saying. Juliet was supposed to be betrothed to another, Um, you know, but uh, so what was a moral that you learned from this? So I like that you you went with uh, Trip on this one, and that's a great choice, I think as a highlight character i'm going with flocks just because at the end of it flocks still refused to fight because he knew i'm not going to win i'm not going to win anyone over by fighting them you know so um my key character is trip but the moral was uh taken from the flocks one it's that people can change it's like like people change yeah i love it that's a great and and i love that we haven't had a chance to talk about this so like i'm learning you know it's you really took these morals and you went with it so good on you pal all right let's move on to the next episode episode four now four five and six are a three-parter they're dealing with the augments those are the genetically enhanced now if anybody doesn't know this from star trek lore the um eugenics wars were about genetically enhanced uh humans who were basically committing genocide against regular humans uh because they thought well why should they be allowed to exist when we're the perfection that exists? Uh, we've learned this through 
episodes like Space Seed with where we first meet Khan, and then of course Wrath of Khan in the movie, and then they've they've redone it and they've been touched down on the floor quite a bit. Well, in this series, this is descendants of Khan and his people and other uh, eugenics um, uh, uh, survivors. These are the pods that these are the. Uh, <laughs> The wombs, the pods of the augments that are still being brought together, and they have been protected and raised by Dr. Soon, Eric Soon, who is an ancestor of Dr. Soon, who created Data. Basically, what happens is a Klingon ship is attacked in the, in the episode Borderland, um, season four, episode four, and uh, a Klingon ship is attacked. It's discovered, and uh, the imprisoned Doctor Soon's genetically enhanced humans are responsible. Archer takes him on uh, on the mission to stop the Augments to help prevent a war between the Klingons and the Augments. So, what did you think about Borderland? This really sets a lot up. You you learn a lot more about Doctor Soon, uh, his ancestry, especially dealing with the genetics, uh, the genetically enhanced, the, the Augments um before he even gets into um deal you know dealing with any type of androids or anything like that and for you like you you see the augments really in action here <laughs> what was that what was that like for you in this first episode i mean it doesn't see it with the augments it seems more like super villains than like a star trek character Mm -hmm. To me, the augments don't seem like really like Star Trek characters because they're supposed to be human. So in like they're similar to humans. So like that's they're all built up to be. And then they have superpowers. So they're yeah. like metahumans. Yeah, and and that, see that's the thing about augments. The genetically enhanced is like they're not just they don't just have like super strength. They've got the speed, they've got the thinking. So like they are enhanced in every way so to try and outthink them or trying out you know so like it was a lot and when we get to the original series and you see the episode space seed where we're because i know we've watched wrath of khan together so you've had you've been introduced to that aspect of it um but once you see space seed and kind of see how they play it out like where oh, okay these are these seem like they're okay people you know they're just kind of trying to do their thing but actually, no, they are. They, they want us, regular humans, wiped off the face of the earth. And in Borderlands, where they purposely go to take out a Klingon ship, that's no easy feat. And they do it very easily. With they like really two do. Of them. Yeah. So, yeah, two of them take out like a whole bunch of Klingons to take over the bird of prey. So, for you, and now, of course, Dr. Soong is now on Enterprise. He's being carted around and you always get that feeling throughout the episode played by the great great uh, brent spiner who always plays dr soon or plays data or some variation of you know he's always the guy so he's it's so great to see him back in action and be a part of the show so for you uh what'd you think of the episode um before we go on to well let me read the other two episodes so that way we can kind of talk about it because this is a three-parter so i don't want to leave it on so then uh it's followed up by episode uh five which is cold station 12 the augments are on their way to cold station 12 where the augment embryos are kept so is enterprise they find um uh who is the uh augment who is not 
genetically enhanced. It's their brother. That's uh, I forget his real name, but they call him Smike. They call him Smike. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's so he's he's basically the runt of the litter. He's they call him like a dud. Like he doesn't have any powers or anything like that. But he is their brother. So and like even like Soong is like that's your brother. Like you're gonna respect them. Don't hurt him or anything. But they always kind of like leave him to protect things, the embryos, stuff like that. And then the third episode, episode six, is the augments. The augments have yet, uh, yet again escaped. While Doctor Soon wants to hide the embryos, Malik has an entirely different uh, and way more cruel plan. Let's talk about this. All three episodes. We'll talk about the morals you learned in each one. Uh, we'll talk about your your key characters and such. Mm-hmm. But for you. What did you think about this series of episodes? Because it is a three-parter. I would love to know what you thought about the story in a whole. And really, even though we've watched Wrath of Khan before, being introduced to what the genetically enhanced uh, people, the augments, are. I really like it. I think it was really good. And I feel like there were multiple places where they could have uh, expanded on and done better with. But it was still good. All right, so usually we go episode by episode, but there's a lot of uh, this is like a three parter. I definitely want to like, I want to talk about the story in a whole, and I want to get your feelings for it. Um, what are some of your highlights in these three stories um, together? Uh, what did you think about finally, like, kind of learning more about the genetically enhanced things like that, the augments um, going forward? Even though, like, you know, we, you've seen Rathacon before and stuff like that. Uh, elaborate a little bit more about what you thought about these particular episodes and then um, tell us some more about like your highlight episode, your highlight characters and stuff like that. Um, I really liked how they had like Smike because like it's an augment, but he doesn't have the powers that mm-hmm. augments have. Um, I also liked when they took over the Klingon ship. I thought that was cool. Um, another thing that I liked was like the entire Cold Station 12 part where it's like the invasion and they're about to explode and all the different viruses that they could can use. Like how they uh, use like that one virus. I believe it like explode. It like took its blood or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, when, yeah, when they go, it's like a science medical office. Flox has his friend there. Richard Kelly plays him. Um, really well done episode too especially they leave archer for dead that that was a, that was a solid episode uh cold station 12 did a good job bridging the gap between the two episodes i did like smite his his introduction into it and even that archer was kind of showing him like we don't we're not like that anymore that's not who we are that's not who we don't want you to die we don't even want your brothers and sisters to die but we don't know what to do here <laughs> like they're not stopping they're you know and I, and he, he seemed to get it like smike started seeming to get it and started mm-hmm. kind of pulling in so i kind of like that other side of it but you know it begs the question it was like is it because he had more humanity in him you know? possibly so uh, all right let's uh let's talk about your so for let me talk about mine first um my highlight characters on each archer all day for all three episodes mine was a group effort because, like, it, yeah, group effort, it was mainly Archer and soon, but, like, Phlox was Cold State, Cold Station 12, Phlox was a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you have some of the augments themselves that played a really big role. Yeah. So it was there's like a lot of people. So I can't I didn't I can't really pick one. Okay. Uh oh, so the augments you don't have one for. No, for so like there are all of the augments, like a few of the augments, like the main one, like the super evil one, Malik. Mm-hmm. Uh he's probably one of the uh key characters, but there were like four, maybe five key characters, so that's just group effort. Okay. All right, I'll give you that. Um, again, I would probably stick with Archer on mine. Flox is definitely a close second. Flox did a great job, especially in Cold Station 12, like you said. But it's the leaving Archer for dead and then him kind of coming back and still fighting his way out, I, I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so taking that away then, you have, they defeat the Augments. It, it comes, they come out of it. Um they put Soong back in. Now he's he's like, you know what? I'm getting a little tired of <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of genetically enhanced. Maybe we'll go with androids. And then of course that leads open to what happens with data, what happens with lore, what happens with before, you know, and down the line. So it's just a nice little foreshadowing into what we're we can expect in the future. And it's not even him who makes them. So it's uh it's a good it's a good portion of it. But uh what is some morals that you learned? Are there one for each episode or all together? Uh, one big one. One big one. It was okay. uh, em- embrace difference. Embrace? Like embrace absurdity, embrace difference. Embrace differences. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Very cool. I like it. All right. Let's move on to episode seven, The Forge. Now, this is a three-parter as well. Um, this is the kicks off the three-parter. After a bombing destroyed the Earth Embassy on Vulcan, a group known as the Cyrenites. Uh, oh, wait. Cyrenites. Uh, sorry, that's why I have you here because you're great for this stuff. Are suspected. To Paul receives a map from her Cyrenite mother, leading into a dangerous desert, the Forge. Okay, before we go on to any of the other ones, I do want to take this one one by one because a lot happens here. Um, now, before we get into this, we see uh, Admiral Forrest dies. Uh, a lot of a lot of people die, but Admiral Forrest is like our first big character who gets killed, and he's been mm-hmm. around from the beginning. Uh, that kind of forces it forces a big fight between um, Starfleet, especially you know Archer, who's not a big fan of the Vulcans and the vulcans and like kind of how this all plays out he takes up the investigation even though the vulcans are like we don't want you Man, no we don't we're, we want we're going after the cinerant the uh serana what is it Cyrenites. the Cyrenites. don't worry people i have problems with that all over the place it's not just alien names so they he and t'pol decide all right we're gonna beam down well, actually, do they beam down? Yeah, they beam down into the forge, right? They beam down away from the forge because there's like jammers and everything. Yeah, so they yeah, yeah. Into it. So they go, they beam down, and then they decide to go into the forge uh, to find the Serenites uh, and see if it was them do their own investigation. Then we get into Awakening, which is episode eight. To Paul and Archer confront the Serenites. And meet T'Pol, who denies the embassy bombing. T'Pau. Archer. Who? T'Pau, not T'Pol. T'Pau, who denies the embassy bombing. 
Archer, who has Serac's essence, which he mind melded at the end of the episode of The Forge. Um, he, you know, uh, what's his name? Serac uh, mind melded with him and he got his essence, uh, is asked to help. Velas threatens Enterprise to make sure an attack on the Serenites isn't witnessed. Uh, and then you have the third episode, which is episode nine, Kirshara. While Enterprise travels to Andoria to warn them of the attack, Archer tries to bring Kirshara to the high command. So basically, let me wrap this up for you guys story-wise. What's going on here? A faction of the High Council of Vulcan have planned this bombing of the U- of the Starfleet Embassy on Vulcan. So that way they could blame the Andorians and reignite a war uh, with them because they don't want they don't want that peace. They don't want that treaty that they've been working on that Archer's been pushing. Um, you know that a lot of other Vulcans were really happy that was coming about. They uh, so they bomb this em- Starfleet embassy uh, and they are going to blame the Cyrenites, who they say are terrorists for organization, whereas they are just more of a religious organization who kind of stick with it and and that's who how they deal with things and that is they're just that's their sect as archer and to and to paul kind of go through the forge and they deal with all this of course archer uh gets her accessance through a mind meld he has to bring the kershara which has all of the answer of the serenites to show them that it wasn't them who did it so now it becomes a race against time the Andorians uh, team up with Starfleet Enterprise against the Vulcans. There's Vulcans helping uh, along the way, and they have to expose the High Council for what they are. That's what these three episodes, the essence basically is. It is a very intense um, three episodes because we get more in depth about who the Vulcans are and a lot of problems that we had with Vulcan very early on. For you coming in, now you've seen who the Vulcans are in terms of many different ways between Spock uh, in the past and between now you're kind of watching Discovery and seeing who they are in the future a little bit. Uh, going back and seeing this, what did you think of these episodes? The Vulcans seem more savage. On They don't seem as, like, logical. It, but, I mean, if you take it and you see... If, but, you know, also, like, taking into account, like, where Starfleet is at now compared to where it is in Discovery, where it is in Next, in next Gen, things like that, the Vulcans are coming up with us as well. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that kind of opens it up a little bit and i think that's kind of cool to see them being a little more savage in the, in the beginning because mm-hmm. really beforehand if you think about it the vulcans didn't really deal with many other like they knew who the klingons were they knew who the romulans were who were like a distant cousin um they've had people in the past but for a long time they've just been kind of dealing with themselves and now mm-hmm. that they've been like taking a they've first contact with earth and they've taken to kind of mentoring earth in this whole thing um it's it's become this huge thing you know like so they are very involved in this so like they're kind of coming up now 
and there's an allegiance there. Now the Starfleet has been started, and now Vulcans are joining Starfleet. It's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is so like? What are some impressions you've had on Vulcan after, especially after these three episodes? I mean, now it. I feel like those three episodes did have a huge impact on uh, Vulcan, like as a whole, because later in uh, the next three-parter, which isn't which is the next time you do see that like the Vulcans are, uh, they do have a government, but it's like a Cyrenite government mm-hmm. with uh, Tapau as the main leader. All right. We have, so now, so now you have these, now uh, they figure out the bombing, the whole thing goes through. What are some takeaways you had from these episodes after, how did you feel about the Vulcans after this and, and kind of like their place within you know, the Federation doesn't exist yet, but they are founding members, you know? I haven't, I didn't trust, I don't trust, I haven't, I didn't trust them for the rest of the uh, season. Not even uh, the Vulcans who were trying to help? I mean, like, uh, the, not really, no, because, like, if Vulcans did that, like, um, part of a certain government in the country attacked let's say you had a country they attacked you part of a government did would you trust another part of that government that was in the government um no i mean i can see your point i I will say this it is kind of cool uh just so everybody knows to lock in this in these episodes which is a vulcan that is hunting down archer and uh to paul in the forge is played by todd stashwick who goes on in picard season three to play captain liam shaw so that was very cool um all right so let's move on to the next episode episode 10 rounding out oh wait wait, uh who's your highlight characters for all three episodes to paul to paul for all three huh who else would it be i don't know who you would archer i mean yeah it could have been archer but i would say archer for the forge for me to paul for awakening and probably to paul for kirshar it I just like it deals more with Vulcan, so I feel like Sapal. Although Trip was good in Kirshara. Dealing with the Andorians, um, standing up against Vulcan and saying, Nope, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to fire on us. But I don't think he was in it enough for him to be the key sh- most shining character. No, nah, that's fair. All so right. I like your for pick. Trip, I think it was more like uh, a nice short and sweet moment for him. Okay, cool. It was a good shining moment, though. I will give him that. Uh, okay. What is uh, some morals you've learned, whether it be one for all three or one in each? Uh, my, my moral is government is corrupted. Government is corrupted. It's a hell of a moral at 11 to learn. Uh, okay, let's round out these last two episodes in this episode. Um, Dataless. Uh, Dr. Emery Erickson comes aboard to supposedly conduct tests on the sub-quantum transportation, the man who created the transporter. However, he seems to have a different agenda. Every time Trip wants to help him and learn from him, he seems to be avoiding him. Every time uh, Archer, who is friends with his family, seems to want to learn more about what's going on, they seem to be avoiding him, he and his daughter. It is furthermore found out that years before, uh, Emery's son was 
disappeared in a freak transporter accident. And he is actually leading the Enterprise to the spot where his son was, uh, had disappeared because he thinks with the right frequency and the right, um, you know, the right fix, he can bring his son back to life. This was a pretty heavy episode. Uh, it wasn't one of my favorites in the season, but I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It was a, it was a different one, especially considering we just got two, three parters right in a row. Yeah. So I like that. It's a, uh, we get two single parters and then another three parter, then a two parter. So. Yeah, they're really heavy on these multi-parters. They really are. This season, this season was big for that. But I am glad that we're finishing out this episode of War Factor Fiction on two episodes that were not like connected. You know, mm-hmm. they I gave us liked, one-offs. Yeah, I like the idea of um, like the transporter and like the freak uh, accident, but I do feel like that happens. That's like a common thing where it's like genius inventor wanting old genius inventor wanting to get back a family member after a freak accident it's quite possible when it comes to star trek yeah especially in a transporter world (laughs) no i don't mean like star trek i mean like movies and such in general like that's kind of like something that you see uh not like a lot but like it's not like super rare it's a trope it definitely is definitely fits in that and a trope is sort of a it's a cliche thing that kind of happens a lot in TV or like generic. Like, no, generic's a little bit different. I would stick more with cliche as uh, as the the right word for it. It's and it's something, but like a trope is something. It's a device used in story in storytelling, especially in this instant like TV and movies, where you know if you see a certain type of show or a certain type of movie you can almost count on this trope existing. So like on a procedural like this, where this is more of a science fiction, but it's an exploratory, it's something like that. You're going to have this type of episode because it's almost like this trope is almost like the sins of the father. So an older, you know, an older character trying to atone or trying to make up for something that he did that nobody knows about. And he's trying to do it secretly. That does happen quite a bit. You're right. What'd you think about this episode? And uh, what are some of your takeaways? I like this episode. It's one of my favorites. It's not my favorite, but it's, I say it's top 10 season, but top five here in this half. Some of my takeaways from it were like, not everybody's perfect. So everybody makes mistakes and things that they shouldn't do. But uh, the moral that I took from this was it's usually, it's, no, it's always better to tell the truth than tell a lie. It's a a hell of a moral. It's a good one. I like that a lot. Uh, okay, so oh, who's Shay your shining character was in this? Trip. Trip. Why? Why Trip again? He was with. Uh, he like helped with it a lot. You know what? Actually, I think he kind of won me over on that because originally I was going to say uh, uh, Archer, but I think I'm going to go with Trip on this one. That's Archer, a good one. Really? I really like your your moral on this too. All right, so let's finish out this episode. The last episode of this episode that we're going to talk about is episode 11 of course we do half a season so we'll be back next week with the second half of season four of enterprise so make sure to come back and check that out uh and we want to thank you guys for watching make sure to go and check out our youtube channel as well if you're not watching this and listening to it because we do have short episodes called quarter impulse like 15 minute episodes where we talk about things about star trek that we really enjoy like what are our favorite badges? What are our favorite starships? Um, 
what do we think happens you know like what do we think the food is like you know stuff like that like things that we really enjoy and if you have things that you want to hear us talk about let us know in the comments we'd love to hear them so let's get started observer effect season four episode 11 non-corporeal aliens inhabit the bodies of enterprise crew members to study how the crew reacts to a lethal virus infection that has afflicted trip and hoshi now it isn't just trip and hoshi that get uh, affected in this it everybody sort of does at one point or another it's it's a it's a good episode it's not a great it's a very contained episode um, i didn't yeah i didn't love it i i really like this episode really tell me what you like about it i liked how it's like um aliens that like aren't physical and like it's like them it's almost like how we imagine aliens are today like they're watching us wondering if we're ready to make first contact so it's almost like uh real life i think this is more realistic but like in the future how it's going to look yeah and and these so these aliens for like that's their their only thing too is like for ten thousand years they they infect or they don't infect they haven't been affecting but like when crews get infected or other species or something they will take over and watch how it affects they their whole thing is observing how these viruses affect different mm-hmm. species and if they can think their way out of it or not um right. in this instance they sort of get involved mm-hmm. um so it's definitely an interesting one this is one for me that just didn't land too much like I, you know i don't mind the ghost episodes those are you know like the it, they call them the uh the orb episodes or like the the ball of light episodes sometimes like where it's somebody's going to get possessed by something that's mm-hmm. floating around you <laughs> know and we've seen them before they're no stranger to star trek at all i mean it's sort of a thing that has to exist it's a trope that <laughs> literally exists in the star trek world um i'm glad you liked it though uh what was who was the highlight character for you in this episode it was a group i think for me there was also a mistake what was the mistake that i noticed um so the reason that they couldn't find a cure for it, uh, the Enterprise couldn't, was because it was a silicon virus, right? Mm-hmm. But um, silicon viruses can't replicate in carbon people. So th- they couldn't find a, um, a cure because it's not compatible with the, uh, the human body. But that would mean that it can't replicate either. So they messed up there. Fair. All right. Well, I mean, for me, I, I mean, you would know that more than I do. You're, you're the Mr. Science over here. You'd be the science officer. You should be wearing a blue shirt right now. Um, kind of. Is that purple or is that blue? It's closer to blue than than any of the other colors. But That's yeah, fair. it is purple. But I will say, uh, you know, overall this season for me, this half season that we're, we're covering, it just mm-hmm. seems a little disjointed. It seems like we got, you know, I didn't love season three. I really liked, season two is my favorite. Um, and I really liked when it seems like there's a direction. It just doesn't seem in this f- first half of the of the fourth season that there was much of a direction, especially coming off of the Zindi War. Now, I didn't love um, season three of the Zindi War and where they went with it. Because it, it mostly because it went into a war type of zone where it was like, okay, we're gonna fight, fight, fight. 
and I'm not against that because when we get to DS9, I do like the Dominion War stuff. <laughs> but that's set up over time. It isn't like, all right, we're just a war show now. You know what I mean? Right. Um, this is this is tensions have been boiling over um, through the Cardassians, through so many people, through so many species for so long that on DS9 it just all sort of comes to a head, and everything sort of plays out. And we didn't even get the full effect of it until Picard season three that just came out. So you know what I mean? So like it's, it took, so like that was Star Trek being set up perfectly. So yeah, we got the war, but it's, it's, you know, like, but like it's mostly battles that I'm cool with. Like when you start spanning out into these big wars, it becomes this huge thing. So I didn't love that aspect of the third season, but the thing I did like about the third season is it had, a through line the whole season was building to something mm-hmm. these first 11 episodes i don't feel like that's happening no in fact i mean the if, most oh sorry go ahead the, yeah the most would be season three with the flocks part because that plays a role in 15 through 16 that two-parter which is funny to me because that small bit is what plays a big part later. Or even the T'Pol and the trip stuff right. plays a big part later. But you would think that the augments or the what happened with Vulcan plays a big part. Right. But it didn't. And those Not each really had not. three episodes to tell their stories. So like that's why it felt so disjointed to me. And then the one-off episodes felt like the stronger ones mm-hmm. you know you know you said group effort for this what was the moral of uh that you took from observer effect rules are not always right because like uh they broke the rules in uh like making contact so like rules are not always right is what i took sometimes rules are meant to be broken huh yeah all right i you know i i like that too so let's talk about overall this this first half of season seasons uh, episodes one through eleven. Uh, who's your highlight character throughout the the season? This first half of the season. That's tough for me. It's uh, Trip. Wow. Okay. All right. I like that. I, I would. I would probably say, for me overall, it's probably Archer. Trip is a good pick. I really like that. And what is uh what is something like a life lesson or something you learned from this first half of the season? It's uh like people are a lot of people are different because where it's like with um the first one it's showing like uh it's about war which is like um people fighting over differences, and then the third one is people changing like becoming different because of like um Archer with the PTSD um xenophobia going around four to six is the augments because like they're different seven yeah. to nine is different factions of vulcan and then 11 shows that not all aliens are like physical some of them are so far advanced that they like just don't have a form anymore one thing i really liked about this is uh this first half of the season as just jointed as it looks the theme here seems to be that our our past can come back to haunt us, if that makes sense. 
because we get World War II haunting us in the first two episodes. Then, you know, to Paul having to deal with her mother, um, the Zindi War haunting uh, Archer. Um, then we have the augments coming back, you know, these genetically enhanced coming back with Dr. Soong. Um, you know, of course, then you have the Vulcan High Council trying to take out the Cyrenites, um, you know, which is, it's all about the past, like, kind of coming back to us. Daedalus is a big one for that. Uh, so, like, there, there's, a, there's a theme here. But I also think it's also paying homage a lot to the past and what it was. And like, because a lot of these themes we've seen mm-hmm. from past shows in Star Trek, there's a lot of right. fan service. Um, what's your favorite episode of this half of the season? 11. I really liked it. I okay. Really liked- cool. Mine would be three. It would be home. Really? Yeah. I think that it's just, it was a different type of episode. It was nice to see them at home for once. Um, something a little different and yeah, I kind of dug it. Another thing I liked about the, uh, 11 is it was also kind of like a different type of episode, mm. I think. Cause like, we're, cause like it's, so we're watching as a, I mean, like, how do I explain this? Oh, so like as a series, we're watching the characters, mm-hmm. but then in this one, it's, we aren't watching them. We're watching someone else watch them. So it's like they're being watched and we're watching the uh, like watchers instead. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, yeah, sort of. We'll get there though. <laughs> let's get there. Let's get there in a, you know, because we're not, I think that comes up in the last episode, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't want to start giving that away then. All right, guys. So that is the first half. This is, uh, this is episode what are we on now one two three four five six seven that's episode seven of warp factor fiction episode seven guys you made it this far keep going um next week of course we'll be doing the second half of uh enterprise season four then we'll be done with enterprise we're moving on to discovery season one and then discovery season two then strange new worlds seasons one and two so hopefully you guys join in hopefully you guys are enjoying them uh we're having a lot of fun doing this discovering a lot of things talking about them so stay tuned go make sure to uh make sure if you're listening to this Rate and review us. We really, truly appreciate it. It helps us go a long way. Follow us if you're, you know, you can follow us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you are. We really appreciate it. Head over to the Scene Snobs YouTube channel. Make sure you hit um, subscribe. Hit that notification bell uh, because we have Quarter Impulse there, which is our companion series to this. Of course, we have tons of other great shows as well, like Five Takeaways, Did I Fix This Movie? Uh, the scene songs podcast and tons more and we have great stuff coming out every day this summer we'll be doing uh, snobs movie uh summer summer school so make sure you go check that out uh go check out snobsmerch.com everything is down in the description below you can go to our link tree or you can go to any one of the links that are down there some really fun stuff we have some cool star trek designs we have some other cool sci-fi designs if you're into horror we have those if you're into adventure we have those just some really cool stuff. We'd love for you to go check it out. Uh, Tommy, you have anything you want to say before we take off? Live long and prosper. We'll just finish it off that way. Thank you guys so much for watching. We really appreciate you. I'm Mick Manhattan. Of course, joined as always by Ensign Tommy, my young snobbit friend. And I will talk to you guys very soon. Again, let's do it one more time for him. Live long and prosper. Take care and have a good night.